Welcome, fight fans. Scott Fontana and Dan Urban here for some more Couchside Judges discussion. Prime you for the weekend. Dan and I are looking forward to Saturday's return to UFC Apex with veteran Derek Brunson taking on young Edmund Shabazian in a rare three-round main event. Let's get ready for that one. We've got a pair of past fights we'll look back at for past judgment. Scott and I figured we would look back at a fight from the days when three-round main events weren't unusual. So we picked 2009's battle between greats Rich Franklin and Dan Henderson. We also will revisit 2017 clash between Brunson and the legendary Anderson Silva, which many at home thought gave the wrong man the win. But did the wrong man win? Stick around with us and see what we have to say. Now, Dan, usually we don't kind of talk about anything before we get into business because we always pack our shows with too much stuff, I think. Maybe not too much, but quite a bit. But before we dive into past judgment, I thought it would be fun for us to kind of look at in the spirit of Shabazzian fighting. He's only 22 years old. I think we should talk about our favorite young UFC talent. So guys, 25 or younger. Guys or girls, 25 or younger. You got maybe four or five that you like? Yeah, I, I have a, a solid five that I'm excited to see how their careers turn out. Who that? Uh, I like Sean O'Malley. Yeah. I think he's top of the top of my prospect list. That's right. And he'll be 26 in October. He still counts. So he still counts. I got to get him in he there. Does. Brendan Allen, I this guy is ferocious, man. He he just a finish after finish usually, and it's violent fights. A middleweight, right? He's a middleweight. Yeah, yeah, I like him too. Uh, Macy Barber, I think that lost to Roxy maybe opened her eyes, and I think it's only going to help her moving forward. As long as that knee injury doesn't mess her up. Yeah, that's true too. I also think Chase Hooper is a rather likable kid, and uh, they rushed him a bit, throwing him in there against Bruce Leroy, but uh, I think uh, he'll come back stronger. And I'm also excited about Kay Hansen, able to be a uh, veteran like Jin Yu Fry uh, by submission. I think uh, she's she, only 20. Yeah, she's only 20, so I think uh, she has a bright future. So you pick both 20 year olds. You got you got Hooper and you got Hansen there. Yep. I I'm gonna throw a few more names at you in addition to Shabazian, of course, because he certainly is worth considering here. He's only 22. Definitely. He'll, be 20, yeah. he'll be 23 near the end of the year in yeah. November. He's so. almost past that prospect stage. I feel being in the top 10 he's he's almost past prospect i guess he probably is but it, you know it's it's kind of tough to say but he, but here's a few more names i'm going to throw at you guys guys and gals that maybe you weren't uh weren't thinking of aspen lad who all is right definitely the heir apparent to me at bantamweight among the ladies i think she's going to be the women's bantamweight champion and i think she'll probably be for quite a while when she gets there i, I like what she brings to the table and she she only turned 25 in march Bryce Mitchell, I can't believe you didn't name this kid because he is right up your alley. I didn't know his age. <laughs> he's 25. He's 25, yeah. And, and he's 4-0 in the UFC. I'm yeah, surprised he's that not kid's ranked sick. right now. Not that he should be, but I, I'm surprised he's not. Jake Matthews, another one who he feels like he's older because he started in the UFC when he was 20, and now he's going to be 26 in October. So he's actually got quite a career already under his belt. It's five and one since moving to welterweight. I like his upside because now I think he's starting to really come into his own. And I'll throw one more at, at you too, kind of an honorable mention here. Song Yadong from China. Yeah, Song's good. I like him. He's he's going to be 23 in December. And he actually debuted in the UFC a week shy of his 20th birthday. So he's been around a few years and he was just a teenager. You don't see many teenagers in the UFC. No, definitely not. Not that he is anymore, but I'm, I'm excited to watch all these kids. Yeah, I, I think... Of them, I think probably Lad's the one who I would bank on as like the future champ. Everyone else, I think they got potential to be, but it's kind of uncertain. Okay, yeah, my my guy to bank on is Sean O'Malley. I think he's already 
almost also along with Edmund kind of surpassing that prospect stage. I think you're probably right. I, I would still put O'Malley as a prospect, but uh, you know, I, I think he's probably just about shed that label. He's pretty close to it. We'll see. But let's move on. Let's move on to past judgment. Enough about the kids. Let's <laughs> dive in. I always love doing these because we just don't get to do them enough, enough anymore. You know, we used to do them so much, especially when there were no fights. But, uh, you know, let's let's dive in. And before we do, though, I think it's always best if you explain, give the usual breakdown of how we score these fights. For sure. We use the modified version of the ABC's criteria used by most commissions. We just have a few key differences. Like certified judges, we evaluate rounds using the three D's damage, dominance and duration in that order. We've made it so a strong 10-9 round would be scored as a 10-8, while a traditional 10-8 round becomes a 10-7. Closer rounds would still just be 10-9s, even if only by a small margin. This allows for more diverse scores in the hope of more accurately reflecting what happened in a fight. We also dropped aggressiveness and area control as tiebreakers, but these aren't intended to be used very often anyway. We can only use 10-10s in largely uneventful rounds. So let's get into Franklin Henderson, Scott. Set the stage. Yeah, so this was UFC 93. January 17, 2009, at the O2 Arena in Dublin, Ireland, not the one in London. Uh, this was the main event uh, for a rare no no title fight event. You know, back then everything was always a title fight because there was it was mostly pay per views, right? Yeah. It was always and even with five divisions, there was still always gold on the line, almost always. Anyway, Franklin he had just returned to light heavyweight for this one. The previous fight, he beat his friend Matt Hamill by TKO. The body kick. I don't know if you remember that fight, but yeah, that was that was some kick. <laughs> he really <laughs> ate that one. The former middleweight champ here, of course, uh, he'd only lost to Anderson Silva twice and Leota Machida earlier in his career. So he was 26 and three with a no contest. Really great record at this point. Truly still near the tail end of his prime. Henderson coming in off of his first UFC victory since pride folded. You know, he came in with both belts in the middleweight and the light heavyweight divisions, but he lost them to Rampage Jackson and Anderson Silva. Uh, but he had just won, again, his first fight. This was a middleweight bout against Husamar Paul Harris. Paul Harris, the knee shredder. Oh, my goodness. He was nasty. Uh, and by the way, just neither here nor there, Hendo turns 50 next month. So big milestone for the old school legend. Yeah, maybe he'll fight again. <laughs> God, I hope not. I think he's done. Uh, <laughs> the judges for this one, though, were Chris Lee, Tim Venata, and Chris Watts. Referee was Tan Dan Mergliata. So let's jump into round one. How did you see this one, Dan? Round one uh, was somewhat close, but I definitely saw it for Hendo 10-9. He lands a big right, like right out the gate. Stumbles Franklin, gets him to the ground, and he landed some good ground and pound when Franklin turtled up on his knees on all fours before it eventually came back up to the feet, which clearly Franklin had the edge on the st in the stand-up if he could avoid the power, which he did pretty well. Just didn't think he did enough to take back the round. He was landing good solid body kicks. Yeah, you know, this for me was like a tale of two distinct rounds within one round. There's, It's like a total split at the midpoint. I don't know if you felt that way, but I think in the first half, like that first two and a half minutes, Hendo was well on his way to like a 10-8 or a 10-7. You know, not, not saying he was there, but if it kept going that way as it already had, I think he very easily could have gotten either score in our system. Yep. You know, he had good kicks, good punches on the ground. But then they stood up, and Dan, like, his offense kind of just disappeared. And that's when, yes, Franklin definitely took over. He had those fierce kicks. 
Uh, but yeah, I do think he had trouble taking back the round two. So I agree with you. This was a 10-9 Henderson round to me. Yeah, I, I definitely feel that way. I, in my notes, it says tail of two halves. Yeah, <laughs> so it really was. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate part about these five minute rounds. You know, there's a lot of action that happens. And, you know, even if you can kind of split it up, you still have to say, OK, which one weighed more? And, and in this case, I think Hendo's effective offense was more effective than Franklin's. So that's where I went there. I don't think any of the other D's came into play here, dominance or duration. So we're talking pretty much about just damage. So that's why I went with 10-9 Hendo. Yeah, same here. And uh, we actually don't have individual round scores for this one as as is often the case when we talk about these older fights you know going back 11 years now uh chris watts though he gave every round to franklin so we know he gave this round to franklin yeah and we can probably assume based on the final scores which we'll get to later that chris lee and venata also gave this round to hendo so two for hendo one for franklin we assume <laughs> moving on to round two though did you see it any differently here? Do you, do you think Hendo still kind of carried the momentum? I still hen- I thought Hendo won this one. It, it was close on the feet for a little bit, but, you know, once Hendo put it on the ground, that was kind of it. He didn't really do all that much, but he did enough uh, where he was a clear, effective uh, offensive fighter. Yeah, I I have in my notes pretty easy round to score because I thought it was. It's, it's not that Henderson was, you know, to a high degree winning this round. You know, you wouldn't mistake this for a franklin round i don't think you know he looked for an arm bar off his back he didn't really get it mostly henderson was in his guard landing some pretty good shots here and there but you know not often very damaging but again i thought it was very easy to score for henderson 10-9 yeah pretty clear yeah so at this point both of us have 20 to 18 for henderson correct yep watts once again went for franklin as i mentioned he gave every round of franklin here i I'm a little puzzled by this one. Again, different time, different scoring wasn't really clarified the way it was about four years ago. So it doesn't work exactly the same, yeah. but it's still crazy I though. I, I have a hard I have a hard time seeing why Franklin would win this round. Uh, me too, especially back then, because the guy gets on top. That's it. They win basically. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> that's kind of the way it was. Uh, I don't I don't know enough about Chris Watts' background. I, I truly don't. I I should have looked that up further, but I have to think he just kind of weighed stand-up striking very heavily. I don't know. Maybe. It's hard to say. It's hard to say. Um, But, again, I'm going to assume that Lee and Venata gave this one to Hendo again, just based on the way the final scores ended up shaking out. So, at this point, Henderson's winning on two cards. Franklin's up on the other card. No one knows this, of course, but that's that's probably what we're looking at. I'm guessing here. but you know, it could be nineteen nineteen. You know, in theory, from one of the uh, one of the two judges, Lee and Venata. We don't really know. But again, moving on to round three, this one I think is pretty clear for Franklin. Do you disagree? I hundred percent think this was ten nine for Franklin. I did flirt with a ten eight for a little bit. I didn't go there. I I didn't really think about it like that. I I mean, I just thought it was so clear. I mean, obviously, Hendo gets—he starts the round with a takedown, but he doesn't really do much. And, and Franklin reverses it, and he actually yeah, landed and he starts some landing. solid shots from the ground. Yeah, before they those return. were good. He gets back up, and and they never go down again. That no. was that was basically Henderson's last stand of the fight. Yeah, once they got back to the feet, I felt Franklin really turned it on, and it was shining in the in the uh, the striking. And I, I thought he was really on his way to a 10-8 by our standards. 
I didn't go that way. I felt after the eye poke, which was a bad eye poke, by the way. It was a terrible incidental eye poke. You know, it was one of those, you know, extended fingers measuring up kind of deals. And, and Franklin just kind of leaned his head in, you know, when he was trying to go for a strike. But, yeah, that was a bad one. He yeah. fell right back. And I felt, you know, for he might have needed those last 40 seconds to really pour it on. I think I, I might have pulled the trigger and went 10-8 had that happened. But it just wasn't to be. So You know, I didn't, I didn't think that his offense was to such a high degree as you did. I mean, maybe watching it again, thinking about it the way you did, maybe I'd see it differently. But upon first watch, I just didn't think his offense was quite to the the level that he'd be looking for from a 10-8 in our system. Um, although we're still evaluating the way we do 10-8s in our system. You know, I'm sure we can recalibrate that based on the way we watch these fights. This isn't official by any stretch, but yeah, I, I still think that I'd probably still settle on 10-9 Franklin for right now. The one thing I should say about that eye poke though is that franklin also in round one he suffered a really terrible incidental headbutt too oh yeah i forgot he got cut open. and he got a big cut a big old cut around his hairline so this was the second of two unintentional fouls that he had to eat in this fight yeah but also about that foul is i don't understand why you don't get five minutes for eye pokes yeah that was <laughs> yeah he was only granted two minutes Tandan goes over and checks with Mark Ratner, who at the time was working with the Nevada Athletic Commission before his time with the UFC officially. And he was granted a two minute window because of the eye poke. It's, it's so strange. The, the rules were just so kind of a little more loose back then. Is that fair to say? I don't know. We'd, we'd have uh, yeah. to talk with uh, Kevin McDonald or, or uh, Rob Hines, I think, about that. Yeah, they need some clarification there. They, they sort of seemed looser back then. <laughs> There's always kind of somebody figuring out, well, what do we do here? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so we both had 10-9 for Franklin in this round, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's a we're looking at 29-28 Henderson, which ended up being the same score that we got from Lee and Venata, who I'm assuming, again, gave the first two rounds to Hendo and the third to Franklin like we did, but I don't know that. Whereas Chris Watts, again, every single round for Franklin, he, he just saw Franklin just beating the tar out of uh, Henderson, I guess. Yeah. That's not the fight I watched, but uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, two and three, I, I think, are the clearest rounds. Yeah. Hey, this is why they have three judges, which is what often judges remind us. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I didn't think this was a fight that really our scoring system would have impacted terribly. But the one thing I would like to say about this is I wish we had two more rounds. I wish there were two more rounds of this one. It's too bad that they took so long to do five-round main events. Yeah, for sure. Because even though Hendo was gassing bad, I mean, he still he still has enough heart to get get himself through a championship rounds. He was a tough old dog. I mean, these these were legends of 2000s MMA, and I think they deserved 25 full minutes to sort it out. So I I think it would have been great. I do think Franklin would have pulled out the win, but we can only guess at that. Who knows? Especially Chris Watts was already on his side. You know, he was up three rounds yep. on that card. <laughs> so at that point, he didn't even need to do anything to get one judge. <laughs> yeah, but but again, our system wouldn't have had a big impact here. Ten nines across the board. Although maybe I, but oh, even though I was I was still uh, flirting with that ten eight for round three. You did, you did, and I think it's worth looking at these fights and even saying to ourselves, "Hey, is it does it do that or not?" And if we figure that out. That's also useful information, right? Yeah. All right. Enough about this one, though. Let's move on to our main event, Anderson Silva against Derek Brunson. Now, this fight, for the newer fans, they're probably going to remember this one a little bit better, although I don't think it was the most loved event. Uh, this was the one 
UFC 208 in Barclays Center in Brooklyn on February 11, 2017. The headliner here was the inaugural women's featherweight title fight between Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamy. And I think that's, you know what? That's probably a fight you and I should look back at someday too because the scoring in that one was interesting too. Now I'm down to watch it. Yeah, yeah, one day. Not today. For now, let's just talk about this one, which I was in the house for. I was covering this for AM New York back when I worked for them. I was seated in the crowd, not at media row cage side. Uh, you know, my seat was kind of several rows off the cage. So I had kind of a similar view to a lot of the the fans in the house. Were you allowed a brownie? <laughs> I don't remember if there were brownies there or not. There probably were. Dan Dan always loved that I got media food when I was there. It's 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 fun. It's not I mean, it's not like it's fancy food, but it's nice to get some food there. <laughs> brownies. Brown it was always brownies. That's what you always wanted me to have. But anyway, so Anderson Silva. Greatest middleweight of all time. No questions asked. Easy. Yeah, no one's going to dispute that. And he had not officially won a fight in four and a half years at this point. Nearly 42 years old. He'd lost four out of five with a no contest. That no contest came when his 2015 decision victory over Nick Diaz was overturned because he popped for two separate steroids. I scored that first round for Nick Diaz for laying down. I thought that was very effective. Ah, we'll save that for another time. (laughs) <laughs> but you know he had actually just lost his most recent fight dan uh silva had on two days notice against daniel cormier the previous july by decision he hurt cormier that that third round uh, he hurt him he, he hit him that's true he did but he definitely lost the fight oh yeah he, he lost but he hurt him <laughs> brunson coming into this fight kind of unheralded people knew who he was he'd just been in a main event uh where he'd lost by uh tko to robert whitaker this was during Bobby Knuckles' ascent to the middleweight title. So he wasn't quite the man yet, but he was on his way. Uh, and both fighters, we should point out, though, they were top 10 in the UFC rankings. Silva was 7, Brunson was 8. Judges for the evening, Derek Cleary, Eric Lone, and Doug Crosby. And the referee was Eve Levine. So let's get to round one. Dan, what happened here? I thought it was a good round for Brunson. I scored a 10-9 for him. It was definitely close. I really thought the clinch striking, even though he was the one basically in the, I guess you say, the defensive position of the clinch. I thought he was landing great strikes out of there, which I felt were the most effective. I do think at one point there's like a, there's some kind of little tussle where it looks like Brunson stumbles a bit, maybe buckles a bit. And I didn't see a strike. I felt that was some kind of an inadvertent head clash or maybe an inadvertent shoulder to Brunson's head. So I really did not score that that very heavily. See, I'm going to disagree with you. I went for Silva here and... I had to watch this round in particular twice in a row, and I never do that. I don't watch rounds back-to-back. I try to, if I watch the fight again, I watch the fight again, but I try not to just watch round one and then go right back and watch round one again, which is what I did here, and that was different for me. And both times, I really did think Silva won, and I, I kind of surprised myself, I guess, because you'd heard so much about, like, oh, who really won this fight or not? And I'm watching this, and yes, Brunson's landing more. He's definitely landing more shots. But whenever Silva lands, I saw it as very impactful. That's how I saw it. And it looked like he was causing real problems. You know, it was just Brunson had the work. He had that flurry you're talking about in the clinch, but that didn't really seem to phase Silva. He was holding on to that tie plum and he didn't really seem to care. Yeah, but we've seen Anderson Silva not care about getting hit before and gets knocked out. You know, We're not great in that. But when judges are looking at striking and they're looking at if it was impactful or not, they want to see reactions. You know, reactions help. It's not the be all end all for sure, because they can tell if somebody takes a punch, you know, they they have the best seat in the house. But 
it's very useful when someone reacts. It's a very good way to tell, okay, they were hit. See, I saw Silva's head getting smashed around, whether that's him rolling with punches, you know, accentuating that a bit, perhaps. But I saw those as effective. I didn't see Silva's strikes landing all that clean outside of the teep and the knee to the body, uh, which I thought were strong strikes from him. I really didn't think any uh, head strikes were all that strong from him. That spin kick was blocked. And I real, but you know, it was close. And I feel if I had saw a strike land during that thing where I was saying where Brunson seems to buckle, but I couldn't mm-hmm. find a strike in that, I probably would go Silva because it looked effective, but I, I can't see uh, a strike that, that appeared intentional. Out of yeah. That. I don't know, man. It really, it really did look like a silver round to me. It was closer. And I, I don't, I don't want to say I don't understand your argument for Brunson, because again, when you're talking about volume here, here's the UFC stats numbers. Total strikes, Brunson was up 43 to 9, which seems almost out of whack to me. Like, I don't even yeah, understand. I, I, that I don't think, I, I still don't think that's accurate. I think that's a bit That much. doesn't seem right to yeah, you, right? No, that's total that... strikes. Significant strikes was 20 to 8. That number, I'm, I would more closely believe that. But even at that, I it just, I don't think Brunson was nearly as impactful with his striking, as active as he was. And it means not like he was totally active either. Yeah, so, I mean, we're seeing it different. I mean, did the judges uh, see it differently? So, in this one, Derek Cleary and Eric Colon went 10-9 Silva, just like me, whereas Doug Crosby had it 10-9 for Brunson, just as you did. All right, there we go. And I think that that pretty much expresses how close this round was. It really was a close round. Yeah, this was this was close. Yeah. Round two, though, not as close, correct? No, I, I definitely didn't think this was that close. I thought it was an easier call for Anderson Silva here. Yeah. It was still close. I don't want to say it was kind of a blowout round or anything like that. None of these rounds were. Right. But yeah, I thought this was pretty easy to ID for Silva. It was a pretty slow round, but yeah. Silva really came alive that last minute, you know, when he started doing the dancing, the capoeira oh, yeah, stuff. And a little capoeira and there. Then... It wasn't offense, but it, it I mean, it was fun, and, and he was landing well with his kicks and his jab in this round. It was like a video game because like, he did his special move. He earned all the points to do a special move, and it put Brunson. Well, I looked at it as more like a taunt in and, a video game. And Brunson was put in a, in a trance. He just watched it. Oh, my goodness. Now <laughs> I'm just going to start eating strikes. I, I don't, I've I never trained capoeira. I'm, I can't say I'm an authority on it, but I got to feel like that, that trance-like movement there certainly helps. I, I, I would think so. Yeah, But, you know, he... He definitely heated up late. I thought that's where he really did start to pour it on a little more. Yeah, that last that last minute was what really sealed it for me. I can't think of any major moments of success for Brunson in this round. It was like kind of like he, you know, he'd land here or there, but nothing really seemed to phase Silva. No, definitely not. Yeah, and and he hits hard. You know, Brunson can hit hard, but I don't think he was ever really able to commit to the strikes the way he wanted. It seemed like he was tentative. Yeah, the the broadcasters were certainly thinking so too. Uh, I would agree. I, I think they're right here. I think they were onto something. Uh, you know, Brunson, he did get a takedown, but it basically had no offense to it. So that barely registers compared to the striking right. as far as scoring goes here. And nobody was dominant. So we're only talking about a 10-9 still, and even in our system. The judges, though, for this fight, Cologne and Crosby had it 10-9 for Silva, just as we did. But Derek Cleary saw this for Brunson. And that, I'm not saying he's wrong, but because it was a closest round, but I didn't. I didn't really see much for him here. Yeah, that's a tougher one to uh, to come around on. He might have been in different angles and stuff. It's it's hard to say. Yeah, we know, we, don't Cleary, know, we don't know. Where a good he's judge. Sitting. Yeah, I have I have a lot of respect for Derek Cleary. Uh, but at this point, both Cleary and Crosby have it tied at nineteen. 
And Eric Cologne is the only one who has someone winning, and he has it. Silva is up twenty to eighteen. Okay. But the way it stands, we're we're talking about a fight that is still up in the air going into round three. And how did you see round three? Round three, I scored for Silva ten nine. I thought this was the most action packed round of the fight, and I thought Anderson's body work was the most effective offense of this round, as it seemed to slow Brunson down. I thought in round one these clinch strikes were effective. Round three, I felt like they had nothing behind him, and Silva was just, you know, landing so much better. Even when he got taken down, he was landing good elbows from the bottom. You know, I'm out on an island on this one because I actually thought Brunson had the very slight edge Okay. in the volume. I think it made the difference here because I did not think Silva was landing as impactfully Okay. in this round. It's funny because I, I was all about Silva in round one, and here I'm on the other side. It's kind of like we have... Total opposite assessments for round one and round three. We kind of yeah. <laughs> we saw the same fight. I think we saw it the same way, and we just disagreed anyway. Um, which I guess is kind of the nature of judging a, a sport like MMA here, where you know it it's objective, but it's very subjective. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought those those body kicks really slowed Brunson down and was eating away at his gas tank, not really letting him put much behind his strikes. That's fair. I can't even debate you on it. You know, I I thought this was a very close call. I sided with Brunson here, but it was also I sided with Brunson in a fight that I already thought Silva was winning and that yeah. he basically locked up. So, you know, my score here kind of was moot because I didn't see it as a 10-8 even in our system. So it's not like it would have been a draw. No, definitely. Yeah, way too close for that. Yeah. So at this point now, I have Silva winning the fight 29-28. You do too. We got there different ways, but we got to the same place. Yep. And that was the dominant score from the judges as well. Cleary and Crosby had it 29-28 for Silva. Cologne had all three rounds for Silva here, 30-27, which that I think that's a viable score yeah, too. for sure. I don't think you could possibly give 30-27 to Brunson. I don't see here, it. But I understand people who thought Brunson won this fight, maybe 29-28. And there were a lot of people. If you go on MMA Decisions, you're looking at the majority of media who contributed their scores they thought Brunson won either 29-28 or 30-27. Yeah, that was crazy. I think that's a little outlandish there. I don't, uh, again, I don't like that one, but there was only a couple who really saw for Silva. When I was in the crowd here watching this one, again, I was there in a media capacity, but I was sitting in the crowd. I did think Silva won. And the thing that jumps out at me when you're talking about, you know, controversial decision and that kind of thing, when they read that score out there in the arena, and you can hear it on the broadcast, nobody is booing the decision. If they thought Silva lost the fight, doesn't matter that it's Anderson Silva. They would have booed the decision. That's what they do. <laughs> so I feel like that that is almost an affirmation that the right person did win this fight. Yeah, I think the right person won. Yeah. I think the only decisive round where there's really no debate is round two. So I find it hard for someone to score it for uh, Brunson there. I mean, we thought... It was definitive, but Derek Cleary did go for Brunson yeah. here, so there, there's possibly something that we're missing in the interpretation there. You know, that's that's perfectly okay. But yeah, I, I would disagree with that. The other thing too that people watching at home need to keep in mind, and even Joe Rogan pointed this out late in the fight, that if you thought Brunson was winning, he said no matter who you think is winning, it's not by much. And I think he's right. This was a close fight overall. So. The controversial nature, you know, quote unquote controversial that gets thrown out there anytime someone thinks someone should have won, but they didn't. It's not controversial. It's just close. Yeah, I feel Joe has one of the is one of the better people at assessing fights while commentating. 
I, think, uh, I just I think he, sure. he a, a little bit, <laughs> a, not by much, but I think he's one of the better ones at it. I'll give him credit here. He at least gave it to you that it could go either way, and and he is right. It, it really it could have gone either way. If Brunson had won at twenty nine twenty eight, wouldn't be mad. I can see the argument, but I do think the right guy won here. I think Silva won. I think yep. when you look at the body language that is coming off of Brunson when Silva lands, and you're looking at the body language off of Silva when Brunson lands, I think that tells you who's winning that fight. Yeah, like they were saying, I think Brunson came in too much respect. He probably did, and I mean, Silva had earned it, let's face it. Yeah. So why don't we look ahead to this Saturday, this weekend, UFC Apex number five. We're back in Vegas. Yes, yeah, yeah. So this is obviously we got Brunson back in action again. You know, this was a Brunson fight. We're moving on to the next Brunson fight here against Shabazian. Middleweight bout. Who? Uh, what are you thinking? I think this is a really interesting matchup because on the one hand, you've got the vet Brunson, who's you know solid wrestler. He does hit hard, you know, but he's been finished by strikes three out of the last eight fights. So he's definitely susceptible to what Shabazian can bring to the table because he hits very hard, especially for a kid his age. Uh, and but I do suspect that defensive wrestling could be a weakness of his. So I'm wondering which side is kind of going to give here. My gut says Brunson takes a decision. Wow. Yeah. I love, look, I love the kid. I, I'm, you know, nothing against Brunson, but I'm kind of rooting for Shabazian because he's very fun to watch. But I just, I have this gut feeling about Brunson here, especially in a three round fight. I mean, I don't, I mean, I watched Shabazian's whole UFC library the other day in about six minutes. I told you to. And I, I don't welcome. know. The kid, kid's wild a bit. So, I mean, I think he can be hit, but he, when he hits, it, it's lights out usually. So, yeah. I, I'm going to lean Shabazian here. What, but knockout? Another finish. Okay. All right. Now, at least with the judging here, again, we're back at UFC Apex. So, we're going to be seeing a lot of the same kind of high level judges we're used to. Guys like Chris Lee, Eric Colon, who we were mentioning earlier, you know, Derek Cleary, I'm sure we'll see these guys. You know, I don't know for sure, but I think we'll see most of these guys. Uh, Sal Amato, you know, maybe Junichiro Camillo. Or... I might put my life savings on it that we see Sal Amato there. There's a good chance of it, <laughs> you know, but collectively they were terrific in June when they worked all those events at Apex. I have the utmost confidence that the judging will be at the highest level it can be uh, in Nevada. And, and I think that's really all you can hope for. We had a good in, in Fight Island as well. I think it'll continue to be. I think That's the one thing I would say is kind of a blessing in disguise about this whole thing is you can only have fights in Nevada and on Fight Island with the UFC right now. They have no plans to do anything different, which means we're always going to get these high-level judges that they've been bringing in. So kudos to that. <laughs> There's one thing to smile about in the pandemic. Yeah, judging is going to be consistent. Any fights uh, outside the main event that you're looking forward to? Absolutely. Always excited to see uh, Vicente Luque fight. Yeah, he's fun. He's yeah, always fun. He's taking on Randy Brown, who's pretty good. So That's right. But, I mean, Luque is so violent. I just love it. And... uh always willing to tune into one of his fights i'm very surprised that they put this fight together because luke is he's a ranked guy and randy brown is definitely not close to the rankings but he's he's a respectable he's now a veteran at this point he's been in the ufc a few years now um and i like his game but it's just a surprising matchup and not one that he necessarily is just going to lose i i'm very curious to see if he can get through this i think it's it's close yeah definitely interesting matchup see what it see what he can do for me I want to see Joanne Calderwood taking on Jennifer Maya at 125 pounds for the women's side. Big stakes here for Calderwood because she could have 
decided to keep waiting for her title shot against Valentina Shevchenko, but she decided to stay busy with this one. And yeah, she, I mean, it certainly could backfire. She's definitely next in line, I think, for the title. Uh, this is probably just cemented for her if she can get past her. Well, I mean, she already kind of had it, so you know, it really was cemented. She just decided to stay busy, and now she could just lose it to to Maya because she is no joke either. She's only two and two in the UFC, but she's been one of the top women's flyweights for many years now and she could definitely steal the title shot we'll say yeah interesting night of fights on my birthday happy birthday to the big guy over here <laughs> thank you <laughs> what a better way to spend a birthday than uh watching fights i can't think of one that's another week in the books for the couch side judges hope you enjoyed the double dose of past judgment hope we can sneak in more next week regardless Check back with us again on Monday when we examine the judging from UFC Apex. Be sure to subscribe to our show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you found us. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Couchside Judges, as well as myself at Scott underscore Fontana. DMs are open, so hit me up with any feedback. Follow me on Twitter as well at DanUrbanMMA. Have a good weekend, everyone, and enjoy the fights. Later, guys. Later, guys.